All right, 2 Timothy. So let me review quickly. If you got your outline on one side, it has the entire chapter outline where it says keep the main thing the main thing. Let's take a look at that for a moment, and then we'll look at the verses we're going to look at this morning. So as we've discussed over the past couple of weeks, 1 Timothy, Paul was exhorting Timothy and how the church should operate. How should the church operate in the midst of idolatrous people around them and all things that were going on? We get to 2 Timothy, you turn the page and several years have gone by and now Paul is in a jail cell. Caesar Nero is running rampant. Being a Christian is against the law as far as Nero is concerned. Christians are being fed to lions, they're being covered in pitch and set on fire. And so a lot of the Christians cease to be Christians. A lot of people that proclaim to be Christians faded away and would not make a stand for the Lord. And we see that as Paul writes to Timothy, he doesn't tell him, run and hide. He tells him to stand up and be bold. And guys, that kind of correlates with what's going on with our nation right now. Can I get an amen? We have no idea what persecution is. The changing of a color is nothing compared to being fed to lions. Can I get an amen to that? But as Christians, we need to make a stand for the Lord. And we're going to see that in this morning's text. Now, Timothy, we know that part of what was, was spoken about him was that he could be timid and even be fearful at times. And he had told him back in, in, uh, in 1 Timothy to stay because there was no doubt some of Timothy just wanted to quit. And I think when things are difficult, we find out where we are in our walk with the Lord. You know, how do we stand for the Lord only when we're on the cruise ship to heaven? Or do we stand for the Lord even in the midst of great difficulty? So it was a time when professing to be a Christian was an open invitation for great persecution and even death. And again, it was during that time of Caesar Nero, who many look at as a type or a picture of the Antichrist. He was so godless. One thing that to make, again, that relationship with the Lord, to follow him. One thing to make him savior, the get out of hell free card, you put it in your wallet and you go live like the world. Guys, that's not Christianity. Christianity is not making him savior. We must make him Lord. He is savior, but he must also be Lord. Amen. If you believe in your heart and confess your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. So last week, if you, if you grab second Timothy, the one that says, keep the main thing, the main thing, if you're looking on that side, Last week we looked at, and then we'll go over it, that to remain faithful in the midst of difficulty, trials, and persecution, even when many are falling away. And the thing that we looked at last week was to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Our one true source of, of strength is not a positive attitude. It's not sizzling with power and enthusiasm, for those of you who were here last week. But it comes from a proper understanding of God's grace. And he gave us four wonderful examples last week, if you were here. And the four examples that he gave us uh, where it first was a teacher. And the teacher, these are examples for Christians to follow. What does a teacher do? A teacher gives ministry away. A teacher makes disciples. The second one was a soldier. They focus on the task at hand. No one engaged in warfare and entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. As Christians, we should not be double-minded. Look, most of you know I have a full-time job. I'm a pretty busy guy. Between the two things, I'm probably 70, 80 hours a week. But you know what? My passion is always Jesus. And even when I go on sales calls, that's my mission field. And for all of us, we need to make sure that Jesus is the priority and the passion of our life above everything else. Amen? 
If you're a student, be the best student in the class. If you go to work, be the one who shows up first, works last, and does a job as unto the Lord, that God is glorified in your behavior. If you're hanging out in your neighborhood, if you're raising your children, you'd be the best mom, you'd be the best neighbor, that we are to represent Christ and do it well, but we must never take our eyes off of the Lord. Thirdly, he talked about an athlete, and he said, running the race to win. And then obedient, you mean to be obedient to follow the rules. You don't win the race if you cheat. And so we're called to not only run well and to live our life to honor God, but do it in a way that is faithful to his word. And then finally, the one I really love the most is the farmer. Tim and I went up to Santa Cruz this week. Most of you know that's where my parents are from. My dad died a few years ago and their house has been empty for a few years. We had some renters that kind of thrashed the house and so Tim and I spent the entire week up there just, uh, you know, taking care of the house and getting it ready to sell. But we drove through all this farmland and it just blows me away the effort it takes and how we take it for granted. Praise God for farmers. Can I get an amen to that? We go to the grocery store and it's all washed and cleaned and bagged and ready to go. And it went through a lot of steps. But imagine being a farmer today's hard. Imagine being a farmer 2000 years ago. You know, they didn't have ir- irrigation necessarily. They didn't have all the things that we have now. But the Lord talked about being like a farmer. The farmer is hardworking and patient. They don't see the results overnight. They have to put in work for months before they see the crop, before they see the fruit. Sometimes as Christians, we grow impatient. And what God has called us to do, we pray about something for two weeks and we're mad that it hasn't happened yet. And we need to be patient and hardworking, fully serving. And the other thing I love about farmers is they serve in anonymity. I don't, I've never met anybody that grow, has grown any of my food. I've never met them. Praise God for them. Can I get an amen? And a lot of times as believers... It's those who are so faithful when no one else is watching, when they serve faithfully in a way that's never seen by other people. So be strong in the grace. That's what we looked at in the first seven verses. And now today, turn it over. And I told today's message, remember Jesus. So he's been encouraging them in the first seven verses of chapter two. And he's been telling them, you know, be strong in, in grace that is in Christ. And don't, don't be engaged, you know, if you're engaged in warfare, don't turn to right, to the left. Serve faithfully in anonymity. Do all those things. And then he's going to tell them to remember Jesus. Guys, we need to remember Jesus right about now. Can I get an amen? And I'm going to go through this again in the message, but I'm going to go ahead and read these to you right now. If you got your outline, you can see them right there. Be mindful to hold on, to think about, to make mention of. As men and women of God, Jesus should always be on our mind. Amen? He should be on your mind 24-7. In the midst of the storm, remember Jesus. When your boss is overbearing, remember Jesus. When your health is failing, remember Jesus. When your children are rebelling, remember Jesus. When your finances are running low, remember Jesus. When the opportunity arises to share your faith, remember Jesus. When your coworkers going through a tough time, remember Jesus. When you get passed over for a promotion, remember Jesus. When your candidate you voted for doesn't win, remember Jesus. Can I get an amen? He's still on the throne, amen? When the, when the world around you is panicking, remember Jesus. When the world mocks and persecutes you, remember Jesus. Guys, Jesus is on the throne. He's in control. He's faithful to his promises. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's redeemed us. He's forgiven us. He's adopted us. He's accepted us. And guess what? He's coming back. He's taken us home. He'll never leave us. Praise God. Can I get an amen to that? And guys, when we're in 
caught up in all the politics. We're caught up in COVID. We're caught up in all the stuff going around us. Is God surprised by any of it? And you know what? In the midst of that, we're called to be salt and light. While the world panics, while the world's in fear, we need to be loving, gracious, kind, but also bold for the things of God. Amen? So number one, remember Jesus. Then remember his promises. Our Savior, again, is in control and faithful to his promises. Again, Christians will let you down, but Christ never will. And take your focus off yourself and your circumstances and keep your focus on Jesus. Remember when they were going from one side of the sea to the other side, the Lord said, get in the boat. We're going to the other side. Halfway through, the waves kicked up. And you know the waves are big when fishermen panic. Amen? And they're panicking and they're trying to bail out the boat and Jesus is sleeping. And they're mad at the Lord. Don't you care? And guys, if we have our eyes on the waves, we're going to panic. But if we keep our eyes on Jesus, we'll always be at rest. Can I get an amen to that? So I want to encourage you. That's what we're going to look at this morning. I always tell you what I'm going to tell you, then I'll tell you, then I'll tell you what I told you. Can I get an amen? And so I've already, I'll tell you what I'm going to tell you. So let's, let's pick up there in verse 8, looking at remembering Jesus. Remembering Jesus. Guys, you know what else? Our country needs to remember Jesus. Can I get an amen? We don't talk about Jesus enough. When you talk about, I, you know, we were, we were coming back from Santa Cruz, man, and there's a, uh, I've seen several of these. Guy has a semi-truck, and the whole side of his truck in big red letters just says, Jesus Christ is Lord. And then on his bumper, it says, Jesus Christ, a name to be worshipped, King of Kings, not a curse word. Can I get an amen to that? And his name is more often used as a curse word. And guys, if the Christians don't remember Jesus, who in the world's going to? Yeah. If we don't stand up for the things of God, who in the world's going to? So be encouraged this morning. Let's begin there. It says, so he says in verse 7, consider what I say. May the Lord give you understanding in all things. And then he says, remember that Jesus Christ. Now, if you look in the original language, the word that isn't there. It's put there to help us understand it just says, remember Jesus Christ. And my prayer is if you walk away from here and forget everything else that happens today, that it just is embedded in your mind to remember Jesus, to remember Jesus Christ. No matter what's going on in your life, whatever trial you're going through, whatever difficulty you may have, whatever's coming for our nation, whatever happens with COVID, whatever happens with politics, keep your eyes on the Lord and remember Jesus always. The word remember there, again in Greek, means to be mindful of, to call to mind, to think of, to hold in memory, to keep in mind, to make mention of, again, no matter what goes on around you. And he's telling, remember, Paul's in prison. He's in a cave. And we're going to see later that he's cold. And we're going to see when he asked for something to be brought to him in his last moments, he asked not to escape. He asked that they bring scripture, bring me the parchments. You know what brings him comfort in a cave? The word of God. You know what brings us comfort in the midst of persecution? The word of God. And you know what? We need to remember Jesus even in the most difficult times of life. He's in a cave. He's about to be beheaded. He's writing to his dear son in the faith. He's not telling him to hide. He's telling him to be bold. And he's reminding him to remember the Lord. He's pastoring a church in the face of great persecution. And you know what? I'll tell you what, all Christians need to stand, but I'll tell you, if you're, if you're called to be a pastor and lead a church, how in the world can you not stand? 
And if you won't, you might want to go do something else. Because guys, again, God has not given us a spirit of fear. So he's given him great counsel and great examples not to be ashamed, to hold fast, the teacher making disciples, the soldier being focused, the athlete obeying the rules, the farmer being hardworking and patient. And while there are great exhortations to follow, there's no greater words than remember Jesus. Remember Jesus Christ. You know why we struggle so much in the midst of trials and just so plain ordinary life? Because we, we forget Jesus. We forget that he's in control. We forget his promises. We forget the, what he's taught us in his word. We forget that he loved you so much he'd rather die than live without you. you. We forget how valuable we are to God because value is determined by what someone's willing to pay. And almighty God sent his son to suffer and die. He suffered as if he lived your life so you could be rewarded as if you lived his. You lived his. We need to remember Jesus. We need to worship Jesus. We need to praise his name. We need to be unashamed of the gospel. Can I get an amen? I was really bummed this week because I had a I Love Jesus mask. When I was in Santa Cruz, they wear those everywhere, and I don't have it anymore. But you know what? We, we need to let everybody know just how much we love the Lord. So the same reason that the apostles panicked, took their eyes off of Jesus, and focused on the waves, we too do the same. And that same list in the midst of the storm, difficulties of life, remember Jesus. When your boss is overbearing, I'm on vacation. My boss was pinging the tar out of me, telling me, I need you to do this. I need you. I'm like, dude, I'm on vacation. I haven't had vacation since November. I'm kind of busy. And it was just relentless. I was getting up at four in the morning and doing stuff he wanted me to do because I'm doing my job as unto the Lord. You know what? When your boss is overbearing, remember Jesus. Amen. We got people dealing with health issues in our fellowship. And as my dad used to say, getting old is not for wimps. We can get sick when we're young, and when we get old, we just fall apart slowly. Amen? And getting old is not for wimps. And you know what? When your health is failing, remember Jesus. We've all had, many people in this room have had kids rebel against the Lord. Some of you still have prodigal sons and daughters. Guess what? In the midst of all of that, when children are rebelling, remember Jesus. Some of us, our finances have taken a hit. Businesses are closing left and right. They've made both businesses reclose again. And we need to be praying for those people. But again, in the midst of all of that, we need to remember Jesus. There's going to be opportunities to share your faith. And too often we don't because we are too focused on people when we should be remembering Jesus. When your coworkers, and mine are, are going through a tough time, remember Jesus. Guys, we do, we do all these Zoom calls, and we'll have 40 people on there, and, they'll, and they'll, they'll be an opportunity to share the gospel. And when those opportunities come, we must not be ashamed. Can I get an amen to that? Pray for those opportunities. When the world mocks you and persecutes you, remember Jesus. When you wake up in the morning, remember Jesus. When you sit down to a meal, remember Jesus. When you're driving in your car, Remember Jesus. When you see someone in need, remember Jesus. When you've been blessed with an abundance, remember Jesus. When you're lying down to go to sleep, remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. Can I get an amen? Am I driving that point home just a little bit today? But that's what he's telling Timothy, who's fearful for his life, who's concerned about his entire church, that they could be fed to animals or set on fire. And he just reminds Timothy to remember Jesus. No greater words were ever spoken. No matter what you're going through, remember Jesus. Timothy, a persecution was great. And I said that believers were being martyred. 
False teachers were teaching lies. Many have departed from the faith. Idolatry and immorality surrounded him. And they might be coming for him next. Remember Jesus. One of my favorite songs. And, and, and if you've been a Christian for a while, I'm sure you've heard it. I sing it in my car often. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in light of his glory and grace. Amen? When we keep our eyes on Jesus, when we're focused on him, the things of this earth grow strangely dim in light of his glory and grace. Words of Pastor Timothy and the Christians undergoing great persecution. And for each of us this morning, no matter what we're going through, is to remember Jesus. What were they to remember about Jesus? So he says, remember Jesus, but what about it? Should we remember? Look what he says. He says, remember that Jesus of the seed of David. Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53, you see the humanity of Jesus on display. These are written in the, they're in the Old Testament. Hundreds of years before crucifixion existed, they describe the crucifixion in detail. And we know that Jesus, while he is fully God, he's also fully man. He was a descendant of David that Jesus is the Christ, the one and only Messiah, and he is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Hundreds of Old Testament prophecies speaking of, about, making references to the Messiah, and Jesus fulfills them all. You know how many Muhammad fulfills? That'd be zero. Buddha, dead. Can I get an amen? All the other false prophets of this world don't have any prophecies about them that have ever been fulfilled and Jesus Christ fulfills them all. When I talk to people that attack the Bible, and I get them a lot when they find that you're a pastor, oh, it was written by a bunch of men. It's 66 books written by 40 authors on three continents and three languages over 1,500 years with one central theme and no contradictions. That's only possible because God wrote the book. And the prophecy that's in the word of God, that alone should convince us that this is not a book written by men. It's a book written by the Holy Spirit using the hands of men. It's written by God. It's the word of God. Can I get an amen to that? And we need to remember the Lord and remember his word and trust in his promises. And it says he's of the seed of David, which means that Jesus came to earth and became fully man. There are those out there that teach that Jesus only came to earth as a spirit. He came fully man. Can I get an amen? So he's not only of the seed of David, but he was raised from the dead. Uh, a while back, there was a guy in Florida saying he was the Messiah. He's saying he was Jesus. And people, when he would, I watched the videos, he would come into church and they'd all, all, they'd all fall on their faces and call him Lord. He died a couple years ago. And guess what? He didn't get back up. Can I get an amen? And this is how we know. Here's the difference. Again, Buddha's dead. Muhammad's dead. Hari Krishna's dead. Charles Taze Russell's dead. Mary Baker Eddy's dead. Every religion you want to go out there and find, their bones are in the ground. I've been to the tomb of Jesus. It's empty because we serve a risen and living Savior who has triumphed over sin and death. Amen? And that's the God that we serve. And that's why we have hope. He was fully man. He took on humanity with all its frailties. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all ways and yet without sin. He knew what it was like to be hungry. He knew what it was like to be tempted. He was acquainted with sorrows and grief. Our Savior can relate to every trial and difficulty, even our temptations, as I said. And as he was tempted in every way, yet without sin. So remember, Jesus was our Savior. He's the Messiah. He took on humanity. He knows our suffering. 
And then he proves himself to be God by raising from the dead. And not only was he fully man, but he proves himself to be fully God. Many have come again claiming to be God, but death couldn't handle him and the grave couldn't hold him. Amen? He's risen and living Savior. Some have said the cross was the payment and the resurrection was the receipt. And the fact that he died, other people could die for you. They could even say that they're dying to pay for your sins. The reality is they couldn't pay for your sins because they were sinners themselves. The only one who could pay for your sin had to be sinless. Remember, sin is an archery term. It's a distance between perfection and where the arrow lands. And whether you miss the mark by an inch or a million miles, and most of us are closer to a million miles than an inch. Can I get an amen? When we have missed the mark, the only way can we sinful men and women like us can be restored, it must be the one who hits the bullseye to pay the price. And only Jesus Christ did. Amen? Only he could die for, only, uh, for us. Only, he's the only one who did die for us. And he proved himself to be God by raising from the dead on the third day. So what are we to remember about Jesus He is the seed of David, which makes him fully man. He's raised from the dead, which makes him fully God. And he has triumphed over sin and death. Guys, he's not left us alone. He's never going to leave you nor forsake forsake you. What a gracious God we serve. He is our example of how we should respond in times of trials and persecution. He is with us in the midst of them. I've had pastors attack me for having our church open. I ask him point blank. Do you think the Apostle Paul would be having church right now? Or do you think he'd be hiding somewhere? We know that. We just read 2 Timothy and we know the truth. Amen? This is far greater persecution than we've ever thought about. And he didn't tell them to hide. He didn't tell them to stop having church. And by the way, and it's okay. I know certain people with health issues are watching on Zoom and that's fine. We have people watching all over the country on Zoom and that's totally fine. But I want to tell you this. Uh, the underground church in, in China doesn't have Zoom. They show up. And their lives are on the line. And they keep having church. And you know what? That not, has nothing to do with the Constitution. It has everything to do with God's, what God has commanded us to do. Forsake not the gathering yourselves together and all the more as the day approaches. Amen? My niece's uh, high school, they've had three people commit suicide during COVID. People need hope and hope comes from Jesus. Can I get an Amen. And we think we can just lock ourselves in our houses and abandon it all and it won't have an impact. Well, the word of God was written for such a time as this. Amen. Timothy, remember Jesus as you go through life's struggles and persecution. Again, understand that God is in control. He says, according to my gospel, remember that Jesus of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to to my gospel. The word gospel means good news. news. And guess what? It was Paul's good news, but it's our good news too. Amen. And Paul preached it and he believed it. Guys, if you believe it, you should be sharing it. Amen. You shouldn't be keeping it to yourselves. I've shared this story before. Um, When I was working in San Jose, my boss called me in one day and we had an office with about 200 salespeople with all the support that was there. She called me into her office one day. She said, Dave, this is gonna be a hard conversation, but I gotta tell you, you gotta dial back your Christianity. You gotta take all your Christian stuff down off your cubicle and you can't be so vocal about the Lord on the floor because people are getting offended. I looked at her and I said, Okay. Well, first of all, the Bible says the cross of Christ is a stone of offense. If they're offended because I'm a jerk, then forgive me. But if they're offended because of the cross, they need to be offended. I said, let me ask you a question. If everybody in this building had a disease, 
is really appropriate with COVID, isn't it? If everybody in this building had a disease and you had the antidote and you took it and the disease went away and you had the cure for everyone else in the building, I said, what would you do with it? She said, I'd share it with everybody. I said, uh, you wouldn't stick it. What if you stuck it in your drawer and kept it to yourself? What kind of person would you be? Should I have to be one of the worst people who's ever lived? I said, guess what? There is a disease that's infected this building. It's called sin. And the antidote is Jesus Christ. And there's no way in the world I'm keeping it to myself. Now, if you need to fire me, fire me. God gave me this job. I'll give me another one. Now, by the grace of God, I happen to be the top sales rep in the office. So they weren't about to fire me. So God's good anyway. Can I get an amen? You know, because I was selling a lot. They didn't want to get rid of me. And she goes, well, I just had to cover it. I'm going to put it in your file. But I knew you were. And then I said, you know what? I want to pray for you. So I prayed with her. Guys, I'm, I'm, look, I've failed many, plenty of times. How many of you guys have failed in not sharing? If I have more times than I can count, and I'm grieved by it. But I want to tell you something. We cannot be ashamed of the gospel. Amen? When this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. When we get to heaven, he's not going to ask me, you know, how much I could bench press or what my best score was in golf or, or how big my house was or what my hobbies were or how intelligent I was. But what have we done for the kingdom of God? We cannot keep it to ourselves. The gospel is the good news. It's the best news ever. I love that song by the Newsboys. It's the best news ever. Amen. Guys, it's, you know, we got a lot of bad news going on right now. We need to share with people the good news. Timothy, remember Jesus. Remember his humanity. He's the Messiah. Remember his deity in his resurrection. And not only as you go through life, but as you, again, proclaim the good news of the gospel. Guys, it's not the gospel if you re reject the humanity of Jesus Christ or his deity. If you say that Jesus was not a man, like the Jehovah's Witnesses do, you're rejecting the gospel. If you say that he was, uh, I mean, he was not deity, that's also, again, the cults say that. They'll say one of many gods or not God at all. You're not preaching the gospel. If we downplay or reject the significance of the cross, you cannot have Christianity without the cross. Amen? Do you know churches all over the country are taking crosses down because they say they're offensive? Well, if we have a cross up, it's going to offend somebody. Guys, what's far more offensive is that my sin put him on the cross. Amen? And when we take the cross away, we don't have Christianity. And if you take the resurrection away, we don't have Christianity. And again, when I pastored in Santa Cruz, which is a very liberal city, I would talk to pastors all the time that rejected the cross, rejected uh, the, the resurrection, and called themselves Christians. And they were offended when I said, you are not a Christian if you reject the cross. Amen? Jesus is God, and he proved, him, proved it on the cross of Calvary. All those Old, sacri Old Testament sacrifices that took place for thousands of years, the, sh the, the you know, shedding of the blood of lambs and bulls and goats and other animals, all that blood that was being shed was always pointing to Jesus. The fact that they put the animals on the altar that had four points, and they put the blood, they laid the animals out, and they would sprinkle the blood. And you saw everything that took place in the sacrifice was always pointing to Jesus. And then Jesus, the, day, the night before he was to be crucified, at the Passover, which we refer to as the Last Supper, it's where we get uh, communion, he said, this is my blood of the new covenant. See, the old covenant blood was always pointing toward the Messiah. And when Jesus died on the cross, our sin was separated as far as the east is from the west. If you downplay the cross, you are not a Christian. Can I get an amen to that? 
And we live in, we have churches today, seven steps to financial freedom and three ways to overcome your anger. And Beaver doesn't live here anymore in this series. And you're the missing puzzle piece and the roller coaster ride of life. Guys, we need the word of God. And we need to point people to the cross of Calvary. And guys, when I see people wearing crosses around their neck, I love it because I always ask them, does that mean something to you? And sometimes they'll say it means everything to me. And sometimes they'll say it goes well with my earrings. And that's an opportunity to share the gospel. Amen. The cross paid the price for our sin, the redeeming sacrifice and the resurrection triumphed over sin and death. No cross. It's not Christianity. Your sin hasn't been forgiven without the cross. Without resurrection, there's no eternal life. It says in 1 Corinthians, and if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is in vain and your faith also is in vain. Guys, we can't reject the cross. We cannot reject the resurrection and still proclaim to be Christians. And keeping the main thing, the main thing, he tells them to remember Jesus in times of persecution as you proclaim the truth of the gospel. Verse nine, for which I suffered trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. Why is Paul sitting in prison? What did he do? He preached the gospel. Paul's in prison. Now, Sometimes people go to prison and they want to say they're being persecuted, but they deserve to go to prison because they broke the law. Can I get an amen? And I've done prison ministry for years. And, and you know, the reality is that God can, and praise God for prison ministry because people need Jesus everywhere. And if you've been to prison and God's brought you out, then praise the Lord. Amen. And by the way, if they keep changing the colors, I might be doing prison ministry firsthand again. And I'm ready to do it. I'm all for it. I'm more, I'm more fired about this than I've ever been. Because I'll tell you what, we are not going to stop preaching the gospel because our governor, the president, or anybody else on this planet tells us that we can't. Because Jesus, we're going to obey God rather than man. I'm praying for the governor. I'm praying for the president. I'm praying for everybody in charge. But we're not going to stop preaching the gospel because, guys, that's all that matters. Amen? And Paul's, in, Paul's again, he's sitting in a cell and he's not asking, get me out. He suffered as an evildoer. Paul suffered and was imprisoned and would soon be put to death because he proclaimed the gospel. Do you think he's in heaven bummed out that he was put to death for the gospel? The Bible says, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you for my name's sake. For so they did the prophets who went before you. Now, don't be a jerk. Don't be self-righteous. Don't be somebody who misrepresents the Lord with arrogance. Preach the truth. Do it in love. But do not be ashamed of our Savior. Paul's suffering went well beyond just being in this prison cell. I've read this to you before, but let me read it to you again. Paul said this, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant in stripes above measure. Think of Jesus being scourged in the passion. He had it happen to him numerous times in prisons frequently in deaths often from the Jews. I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned three times. I was shipwrecked a night and a day. I've been in the deep in journeys often in perils of waters in perils of robbers in perils of my own countrymen in perils of the Gentiles in perils in the city in perils in the wilderness in perils in the sea in perils among false brethren in weariness and toil in sleeplessness often in hunger and thirst in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things that come upon me daily. Who wants to be an apostle? And we won't share our faith because our neighbor might not talk to us anymore. We won't share our faith because we're afraid 
that they might ask us a question we don't have an answer to. There's a way to solve that. Read your Bible. Can I get an amen? Here's letting Timothy know that suffering as an evildoer for the sake of the gospel shouldn't surprise him, but should be expected. When I go to India or when I've gone to other places in the world where Christianity hasn't had the freedom it's had here, and we're losing sight of it in this country. But when it didn't have the freedom, they knew when they stood for the Lord that more than likely they were going to be imprisoned, if not lose their jobs. And many of them were beaten, and they did not shy away from it. It's interesting It'll be interesting to see if the persecution continues, how many Christians continue to stand up and how many continue to fade away. Guys, we should never hide. We should never be ashamed of the gospel. Remember Jesus. He healed the sick. He freed the demon-possessed. He raised the dead. He fed the hungry. He comforted the brokenhearted. He had compassion for people, and they put him to death. And Jesus warned us in John 15, if the world hates you, you know what hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. The world hates those who stand for the truth of the gospel. People are offended. You know why they don't want to hear the gospel? Because it makes them feel bad about their sinful lives. And by the way, it's supposed to. Amen? Without conviction, there can be no conversion. And the truth needs to be taught. Do it in love with kindness, with grace. But at the same time, when people get offended... Again, when they're convicted by their sin, you've heard me say it before, you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, the one that hits, the one that barks the loudest, amen? So when you're sharing the faith, the one that gets the most angry is the one that's most convicted, amen? And that's not the worst thing that's ever happened because conviction, again, often leads to conversion. It was an affront to all that consented to the crucifixion. If you started preaching the gospel, there were still people alive in Timothy's day that cried out, crucify him. And now Jesus is saying, The crucifixion, again, is where resurrection came from. And they're pointing to Jesus as the Messiah, the one who fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecy. And some of these religious leaders were the very ones who cried out for his crucifixion. That was an affront to them. They didn't like it. So not only did Timothy face it from Nero and the Romans, he faced it from the religious Jews who had rejected the Messiah. On every side, he was being opposed. And yet, he was being called to stand for the gospel. The Jews, the Romans, the Greeks, all of mankind. Paul's chained up because he refused to move away from the gospel, including the resurrection of Christ. Paul said, they can chain me up, but they can't. Now notice what he says in the rest of verse 9. I love this. For which I suffer troubles and evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not chained. Amen, 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 and amen. How are our schools doing since we took the word of God out? How are things going in our government that's trying to take the Ten Commandments down and trying to silence the word of God and have a secular society? Guys, they can take the word of God out of schools, but they can't take the Christians out of the schools who know the word of God. And the Bible tells us that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And when we walk on campus, the Holy Spirit just showed up. Amen? The same is true in your workplace and wherever you go. They can try to chain the word of God, but it's impossible because it dwells in us. Amen? We should be unashamed of the gospel. The Bible has been attacked more than any other book throughout history. It's been burned, banned, mocked, twisted, ignored. But the word of God stands forever. It says in Isaiah, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God 
endures forever. Amen? By the way, if you want to know the God of the Word, you need, the word, need to read the Word of God. The Word of God is not chained. There's no government, no religious authority, no skeptics, no scientists, no wannabe scientists. Can I get an amen? No philosophers or book burners have ever been able to stop the Word of God. Yet if there is any sense in which the Word of God is bound, it's been bound by His own people. Amen? We shouldn't be surprised when people who don't know God act like they don't know God. If they look at the Bible the way we look at the Book of Mormon, they see it as a book made up by men. They see it as being false. And one of the reasons that the word of God doesn't have power to them because they don't see the power in the lives of those who follow the word of God. Amen? And when we live sold out and set apart lives, it allows them to see that the people of the book, the people of the word, the people that know the God of the word are different than the people that don't know him. We should be responding differently and that ought to attract people. The Bible says they shall know us by the love we have one for another. We should be living in such a way that people want to know the God that we serve. When the scripture is used sparingly like spice in a message, instead of being the core of it, pastors themselves put a chain around the Bible. Guys, the word of God needs to be the central focus of every message ever preached from every pulpit in America, always, in the world. Can I get an amen to that? If you, if you, you know how you can tell if a church is solid or not? Watch the people walking in. If nobody's carrying a Bible, there's a problem. Amen? Because God's word endures. Look what it says in verse 10. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Why does he endure this? Paul could have, Paul could have said, you know what? I was beaten with a rod. That's enough. I've already been scourged a bunch of times. Let me just go on vacation. Let me retire. Let me go find a, a nice fishing hole out by the Galilee and sit in a rocking chair out in front of my cabin and fish for the rest of my life. But he would never do that because he knew that eternity hung in the balance. And when he's saying here, let me read it to you again. I endure all things for the sake of the elect. He's enduring it for those who are going to be saved because it's worth it. It's worth it. Some of you guys knew Bob Whaley, who went to our church over the community center. And Bob was one of the very first people to get saved in our fellowship. And then he would spend every Thanksgiving at my house with my family. And he would talk to me about when I went through surgery. I had a, some of you know my testimony. I had a bot surgery and I was in, in the hospital for nine months. And all that I went through and the impact it had on my family and the whole thing. And I, I used to say, I'm going to pastor this church in Santa Cruz till the Lord comes back. God had, I don't say that about anything else ever again, because God can do whatever he wants with my life. And the same with yours. Can I get an amen to that? But I used to tell Bob at Thanksgivings, every year we talk about it. And I'd say, Bob, if I had to go through all of that 10 times so that you would go to heaven, it would be worth it. Now, I don't save anybody. God saves people. Can I get an amen? But he chooses to use us as tools. And the apostle Paul saying, I'll suffer all of this because it's for the sake of people going to heaven. And guys, when we get to heaven, the suffering will be nothing compared to the glory that comes from it. Amen. It's all worth it. It's always worth it. 
Enduring all. The word endure there to abide, not to flee, to hold fast, to bear bravely and calmly. You know what people say? Well, pastor, if you cared about your people, you'd make them all stay home and lock themselves up and you would just do it via Zoom. And you know what? I do care about your health. And if you are concerned about it, stay home and watch on Zoom. I'm fine with that. But I'm far more concerned about your eternity. I'm far more concerned about your spiritual walk with the Lord and the men and women of God that he's called us to be. Because you know what? We'll be hiding to save the temporal and we'll miss out on the eternal. The worst thing the world can do to me is the best thing that could happen to me. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Can I get an amen to that? And see, too often we're so focused, we're so afraid of what might happen in the world that we become, we're rendered ineffective for the eternal and the Paul's saying, look, I'm enduring this. I'll endure all of it for the sake of the elect, that they may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus. By the way, salvation is, is under no other name. There's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. Amen? Again, he's saying, remember Jesus. You can't be saved through good works. You can't be saved because you go to church. Guys, salvation doesn't come through church membership. It doesn't come through baptism. It doesn't come through good works. It doesn't come because you're born in a Christian nation. It only comes when you recognize you're a sinner. You fall on your face. You, you cry out to God to be forgiven, to ask him to be both your savior and your Lord. And you surrender your life fully to him. His Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. You become a new creation in Christ. And then and only then can you call yourself a Christian. Amen. And there's no other name under heaven. Guys, we have the antidote. Hey, if we get a vaccine, fine. We got a better vaccine. Amen. We got the vaccine for sin. And guess what? It's a hundred percent. Amen. Anybody who cries out is forgiven. All who call on the name of the Lord, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not some. Amen. And it's the, it's the greatest vaccine ever. That's great. Amen. And no, the side effect is heaven. Amen. Christ suffered for Paul. Paul was willing to suffer for others. Christ suffered for you. He suffered for me. Are we willing to suffer for the sake of others? Lord, help us. Can I get an amen to that? Lord, help us. How many of you guys want to suffer for the sake of others? We need to, guys, let's be unashamed of the gospel. Paul was Christ-centered, others-centered, eternal-focused. Amen? You've heard me say it. Jesus, others, yourself. You put Jesus first, others second, yourself last. You'll experience joy. Sadly, too many of us have yoge. Amen? They may obtain salvation. The word obtain there means to hit the mark. Again, it's another archery term. And notice what he says at the end for Jesus with eternal glory. Not only salvation from wrath, eternal judgment, but glory and reigning with him forever. Do you know we're going to reign with the Lord forever? Do you know there's a millennial kingdom coming? We're going to rule and reign on the earth for a thousand years with the Lord in charge. We don't have to worry about who's president for four years. We know who's going to be on the throne for a thousand. Amen. King of kings, Lord of lords. Thank you, Lord. Can't vote him out of office either. Can I get an amen? I don't care what the Senate wants to do. Can't vote him out of office. Amen? The world pursues earthly glory. We should be pursuing eternal glory. How can anything in this world compare to what the Lord has for us? May we keep our eyes on Jesus. When, you keep, when you're walking with the Lord, his burden becomes your burden. When you're walking with the Lord in intimate fellowship, you love people the way he loves them. 
When you're walking with the Lord, his passion becomes our passion. Paul was far more concerned with the salvation of others for eternity than his own temporal well-being, something he learned from the Lord's example, seen also in other faithful saints. It says in Hebrews 11, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings. Yes, of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. Sword. They were wa- they wandered out ab- about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of which the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And yet they never denied their faith because you cannot take away true faith when someone is walking with the Lord. Acts 20, Paul says this. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Acts 20, 24. I have a few life verses and this is one of them. None of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the truth of the gospel of grace. Guys, Nothing should move us. It's purple now. We're not moved. Can I get an amen? I don't know what's next to purple. I have no idea what's next. Uh, that Biden says on the, if he's, we pray for our president. Can I get an amen? amen? Pray for your president. Whoever it is. When he is though, whoever is. Whoever's the president on January 20th, we're praying for him. Can I get an amen? amen. Whoever that is. And if they shut the whole country down, we're going to keep having church and we're going to keep proclaiming the truth of the gospel no matter what. Amen? Because that's what God's commanded us to do. Amen? Point number one, remember Jesus and those he died for. Then remember his promises. Look at verse 11. This is a faithful saying. If we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful He cannot deny himself. Most believe this was a hymn that was sang by Christians in those days. And he tells them to remember Jesus. And then he breaks into this hymn. He says, this is a faithful saying. Paul is constantly giving Timothy faithful sayings, things to pay attention to, to remember, to pass on. A faithful saying is believed by many, again, to be an early church hymn. Words of this hymn would be a great comfort and encouragement to those who are living in a time of such great persecution. I wonder how many people would be here if we had a 50-50 chance they might show up and drag us off to be fed by lions. I think attendance might go down. I think I want to watch it on Zoom today. <laughs> Worship is one of the greatest sources of comfort. Can I get an amen? amen? And I love that God created worship. And you know what? He alone is worthy to be worshiped and to be praised. Amen? By the way, music was created to worship God. Amen? And so much of it mocks him. One of the greatest sources, again, of comfort and encouragement in times of difficulty. For me, it gets my focus off of me and, on my, and my circumstances. It puts it on the Lord. It reminds me of his character, his love, his grace, his greatness. My circumstances become insignificant in light of who he is and what he has done. This hymn starts off with two seemingly uh, irreconcilable paradoxes. Death leads to life and suffering leads to reigning in glory. For if we died with him, we'll live with him. So if you die to yourself, you become a new creation in Christ. If you die twice, you'll live forever. Amen? We die 
here and now. We died to the person we used to be. We become a new creation in Christ. The Bible tells us before we came to know the Lord, we were spiritually dead. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. This is why the Bible tells us not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. You're dating a dead person. Can I get an amen? Now, we need to pray for dead people. We don't date them. Can I get an amen? Pray for them. When I was a youth pastor, I used to say, "Go down to the, if you went down to the morgue, got a corpse and dragged it into your living room, put it in a tux and said, this is my, you know, my prom date, your parents would think you've lost your mind. But Christians do it all the time. But see, if we die to ourselves, we have life in him. But if we live in our, to ourselves, we're spiritually dead and we'll be separated from him for all eternity. So he's letting them know that if we died with him, we shall also live with him. And again, there's a twofold interpretation of this verse. He's saying that one speaks, I believe, of the transforming work of salvation. It says in Galatians 2, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Amen? So I'm dead. But Paul wrote these words as he was obviously still alive on earth, but he was speaking of having died to himself. He died to his will, to his passions, his comfort. Who was Paul before he was Paul? Saul of Tarsus. And what was he, what was he about? Killing, persecuting Christians. He was Osama bin Laden. He was, he was, you know, he was part of ISIS. I mean, he was out killing Christians. In a sense, and he was doing it in the name of Almighty God. Under the... You know, under religion, like the Muslims do. And so he's out attacking Christians. And then he has a head-on collision with Jesus Christ. And he goes from one who attacks and persecutes Christians to being a man who will withstand persecution for the cause of Christ. That's called getting saved real good, as my dad used to say. Amen? He didn't just get saved. He got saved real good. It impacted every part of his life. And he said, look, now it's not about me anymore. It's not about what I want anymore. It speaks of physical death of the believer. And it could also speak of the physical death that being martyred for their faith. He's like, look, if we die, we'll be with him. So he's saying, look, I died here and I'm, now I'm alive in Christ. But if they kill us next Sunday at church, then guess what? We'll be in heaven anyway. And by the way, heaven's better. Heaven's way better. Can I get an Amen. When we get there, we're going to go, what took us so long? But we're here for a reason, and we want to finish strong. Amen? For the Christian, death is not something to be feared, but it's something that is truly glorious and should be looked forward to. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. My other life's verse, along with Acts 20, 24, is Philippians 1, which says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It means Jesus is my life and dying, it only gets better. It doesn't mean Jesus is first on the list. It means he's first, he's 50th, he's 100th, he is the list. He's every number on the list. My life is Christ and dying, it only gets better. Can I get an amen to that? And yet we're worried. Well, we're going purple now. What are we going to do? Death has no sting. Christians die well. Again, if I die before some of you or before we're raptured, uh, please, I'm good. Can I get an amen? I'm good. Don't worry about me. You guys hang out, celebrate, have a good time because I will be. I'll be around the throne singing, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Can I get an amen to that? And it just doesn't get any better. Words easily spoken when we think death is far off, but Paul wrote it when execution was any minute. It's easy to say, if we die with him, we will live with him. When we think death is 50 years away. 
It's easy to say if we endure, you know, I'm willing to endure so I can reign with him. If we think it's a far off, he knows it could happen any moment and he is unwavering. If we endure, with, we, we shall reign with him also. The hymn goes on to assure of the, of the temporally faithful believer of the eternal reward. The word endure there, some translations means to suffer. Some of your Bibles may say it. If we suffer, we also reign with him. Suffering is a part sometimes of walking with the Lord. This verse assures us that our present suffering, difficulty, or trial is worth it. Again, as I spoke with Bob, whatever, you know, nine months in the hospital, if you've met me for five minutes, you know, I'm kind of type A. Can I get an amen to that? Just a little bit. Sit, laying in the hospital for nine months felt like 900 years. I would do it 10 times for one, to see one person saved. I know God saved him and God could have saved him another way, but he chose to do it this way. Guys, it's worth it. Amen? Whatever suffering we must endure that Christ may be glorified, it's worth it. Whatever we may have to go through in this life so others can hear about Jesus, it's worth it. Amen? And if I have to go to prison and hang out with John MacArthur and Rob McCoy and have Bible studies, then we can do that. Amen? And then Joshua will come up here and get arrested the next week, then Doug, and then after all the pastors are gone, you guys just jump on up. Can I get an amen? Because we're going to keep having church. Says in 2 Corinthians, for our light affliction, which is for but a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Amen. Light affliction. Oh, my, 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 my affliction's not light. Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. Did you hear the list like beatings? Day and night in the deep, starvation's often. He's in a cell about to be beheaded. I know you might be going through stuff. I'm not downplaying it. Nothing compared to Paul. Can I get an amen to that? And yet he calls it light affliction. He says, we will reign with him. This speaks of the millennial kingdom. We'll reign with him for a thousand years. He'll be on the throne. Again, does he need our help? What's the answer? No, but he wants to bless us. What a loving father we have, amen? What a good, good father we have. What a gracious God. He saves us, he gifts us, he indwells us, and then he rewards us, amen? Then he says there, if we deny him, he will also deny us. While he is indeed a God of incredible grace, he will not force his grace upon us. The word deny there in Greek means to contradict, refuse, or reject. You contradict God? Do you refuse him? Do you reject him? It says in Matthew 10, whoever confesses me before men, I will confess before my father in heaven. Whoever denies me before men, I will deny before my father in heaven. Years ago, there was this thing called the blasphemy challenge. Anybody remember this? And they had all these young people going on YouTube and they would give them prizes if they would say, they would curse and say they rejected God, they rejected Jesus, and they were bl openly blaspheming the Holy Spirit because the Bible says the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is the one sin that can never be forgiven. And they were doing this, you know, for prizes. How tragic. Can I get an amen to that? How tragic. But we live in a world where people's hearts are so hard. May we not deny him with our Some of us will never deny him with our words. We would never just say, I don't know him. But we deny him with our actions. Amen? Somebody blasphemes God's name and you walk right by it. There's an opportunity to stand up and say something for the kingdom of God. And you don't do it. Because we're afraid. Again, God has not given us a spirit of fear. I firmly believe this. That every person that goes to hell will have to run over the cross of Calvary numerous times in their life to get there. 
I believe the Lord brings conviction. He brings an opportunity for salvation. Salvation is offered universally, must be accepted individually. Last verse, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Thank you, Jesus. Because we are faithless at times. Can I get an amen to that? We are faithless, but praise God, he remains faithful. Even if we are faithless, unbelieving hypocrites, he will still be faithful to his word. God is faithful. He is who he is. He cannot deny his character, his love, his grace, his mercy, or his righteous judgment. He is who he is, regardless of what men think about him or say about him or vote about him or believe about him. You can read, say God doesn't exist, he still exists. You can say he's not on the throne, he's still on the throne. You can deny him, you can attack his word, it doesn't change one thing about him. He's the king of kings and lord of lords, no matter what anybody else has to say about it. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord before this is all over. Amen? He is the rightful, holy, almighty, all-powerful God. The truth is the truth, whether we believe it or not. And it says he cannot deny himself. Regardless of we believe, none of us believe, all of us believe, God doesn't conform to our will. He won't let us. He won't let us make him like us, but he wants to make us like him. He won't let us make him like us, but he wants to make us like him. Amen? And if we come broken, repentant before him, again, we can be like him. Not faith in faith, not my best efforts based on what I believe, but coming to him, coming to him on his terms through his son. I'll close with this. Hudson Taylor said this, It is not by trying to be faithful but in looking to the faithful one that we have victory. It's not us trying to be faithful, but looking to the one who is faithful that we have victory. So remember Jesus. Be mindful of him. Hold on to him. Think about, make mention of him. As men and women of God, he should always be on our minds. No matter what storms, trials, difficulty of life you go through, remember Jesus. Remember his promises. Our Savior is in control. He's a faithful God. Christians will let you down, but Christ never will. Take your focus off of yourself and your circumstances and keep them on the Lord. Guys, we have a lot to be thankful for this Thanksgiving. Can I get an amen? Can I encourage you on Thursday, especially you dads, if it's in your house, whoever's house it's at, you make sure that during Thanksgiving that you remember Jesus and everybody else in the room hears about him. Can I get an amen to that? That we stand before that meal. We don't just pray a a Holy Spirit rocket before God. Thank you for this food in Jesus' name. Amen. But we truly give him the thanks that he deserves. Amen. He's worthy to be worshipped. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. We worship you. Help us, Lord. Just fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. We know that we can't do any of this on our own, in our own strength. Lord, we need less of us and more of you. Empty us of our pride. Empty us of our anger, our bitterness, our our drunkenness, our our lust, all the sins that we may struggle with. Empty us of all of it, Lord, and fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to be kind and loving and gracious. Help us to, to walk in boldness, to not have a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And Lord, we pray that for for our nation. We pray that for all the Christians in this nation around the world, that we would stand for the truth of the gospel, that we would not fear what may come from men. But Lord, we would only have one thing in mind, being faithful to you. Lord, you hung on a cross for us. May we make a stand for you. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said...